songs, man. They just, they just happen around. Yeah. Life crazy. And I don't know why I get high as the day go by. No lie, seen it all with both eyes. From the bay, but my third eye not blind. Now it's over your head, but I'm over the bread. I could give a motherfucker about what a hater said. Y'all should be more concerned with my maker said. And that's to the top, it's my destiny. Big faith in my recipe. My tank full of gas, no SUV. And my flow got them weak SWV. Alright, welcome back to this week's episode of Block Channel, guys. Uh, we're really excited to be bringing you someone uh, that you may have never heard of before, but you will soon. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to teach you all about him. We have on Vaughn McKenzie um, from the upcoming Ethereum-based startup, Jack.io. And Vaughn's joining us straight out of London. And, you know, since we're since we're a really humble podcast here at the Block Channel, uh, even though we're killing the game, uh, it makes a lot of sense that we care about content creators like us because um, they're everywhere. So this particular episode is going to be all about media and empowering young creators uh, and, and teaching them how they can use and hone the, these technologies like Ethereum to help assist them in their creative ende endeavors. And of course, today I'm joined by Dee and Dr. Petty. Uh, gentlemen, you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Yep, I'm Dee, host number two, Bitcoin podcast, always showing up here at Block Channel Podcast, do my thing, and I am a black belt in content creation. So I'm happy to lend my voice. And I'm Corey Petty, also from Bitcoin Podcast. I always enjoy coming on here. Corey Petty. Corey Petty, you know. And of course, as I said, you know, we're joined today by Vaughn McKenzie of uh, Jack.io. So Vaughn, can you go ahead and just give us an intro on yourself? Give us an explanation on your background, where you're from. Let us know about who you are and we'll get this ball rolling. Awesome. Hi. I'm uh, Vaughn McKenzie. I'm one of the founders of Jack um, and uh, alongside a couple of people who I'll mention, mention in a second. Um, <clears throat> I'm the CEO. Um, my background is, uh, funny enough, actually started in, in fintech. I uh, worked for uh, Dow Jones for a couple of years, um, then went to university or what you guys are called college. And um, <laughs> did, <laughs> did the, actually went to learn investment financial risk analysis thinking I was going to be a, a you know big investment banker over at Goldman Sachs um got one term in and um yeah basically said oh you know the layman died um bear grew up northern rock got exploded and they said uh, look guys yeah you pro probably won't have jobs after this so I suddenly realized I might have a future in finance um but I always thought that there was a future that maybe went beyond investment banking so I always kept my head to the ground kept being interested and you know, and and that's where I found Bitcoin, and then Ethereum, and 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 then yeah, so on and so forth. What uh, can I ask you real quickly? What 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 year it is? It did you did you got start getting in space? Because I, I feel like most it was like 2013, 2014. So, um, funny enough, the way I found it was was probably not how many people found it. I was always looking at the future money. I think I got in. Um, yeah, I would say like 13. I think after I read the, the Bitcoin paper, I was actually I actually looked at something called Villages.cc, which was a uh, which was kind of like the precursor to Ripple. Mm -hmm. um, this was before Ripple was planning to do any. There was no blockchain involved, right? It was just kind of this, this system of IOUs that um, they had this this implementation called Neighbors.cc mm -hmm. um, or Villages.cc. And I uh, yeah, I just got into that and then read the Bitcoin white paper. Thought, ha, that's never gonna work. And then um, decided to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Those guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is nonsense. This is never gonna work. And then um, and then moved moved on. Um, and then came back to it after obviously it started to to kind of 
get more headlines and people started to really talk about it in forums and stuff and then just tracked it from there and then when i saw ethereum launch i thought okay that's actually something i could i can really get into because you know i'm in the software side i like to build so so yeah and then that's kind of i got into it so let's talk about kind of what current projects you're working on what businesses you're involved with like i guess there's a great chance to one plug everything you're doing and everything you want to kind of promote but also tell people why it's i guess why you got into it or how you got into it yeah so um yeah i'll probably start and how we got into it so i'm kind of uh, a, a a failed startup guy i've been doing startups since i was about 15 i've tried you know I've, I've tried to do everything pretty much um and learned lots along the way i um so me and my co-founder uh, we just came off the back of doing uh, a really cool project and i thought right let's let's start a uh, startup <clears throat> rather than just rather than just going for it and um you know, just just choosing an idea and going for it. We thought we'd be a bit more disciplined. So we came up with 100 ideas. Um, we took all those ideas and, you know, just started telling people about them, um, sent them to all our friends, whistled them down to about 50. And then we thought of those 50, which ones can we actually build of our own skills, got it down to about 20. And then we said, well, which ones could we actually do in the next, like, 10 days? And then we got that down to, yeah, we got that down to about, about 10. And then, um, yeah, we just kind of, we, what we used to do is used to like spin up an MVP. I can do all the like design and, um, sorry, I could do all the, the uh, UX and um, like, you know, all the, the copy and all that stuff. And then my other friend would do the design and, and then my other friend would do the uh, do the builds. And we'd spin up a website, run it for uh, one, one week, uh, throw some ads on Facebook and just see what stuck. Um, and yeah, loads of people would sign up thinking it was a product and be like, yeah, sorry, it's not. We're just, we're just trying some stuff out. Uh, we did that for a little <laughs> while. And we had this really cool one that really people really liked around sharing music. And um, it wasn't called Jack, it was called Pantone. And um, yeah, we thought, oh, okay, this is the one. Then we started looking into how that would actually work as a business and realized that, you know, the, the rights piece behind music is is just an absolute mess. It's really, really difficult to do anything unless you have millions in the bank, um, which probably explains why there are only very few streaming companies that still exist today so that was the precursor and then um from that we we kind of decided to try and build a streaming service on um on ethereum and uh, after uh, get getting the first prototype up and running which was very difficult at the time because this was on the uh, frontier um we got to a point where we'd um you know we, we thought okay we need to build more of the infrastructure and so we started building more and more and more uh, and and we've ended up with kind of this full end-to-end um, platform for uh, for yeah for managing digital rights across any type of media so music tv film um and yeah and that's jack uh, we've been working on it now since well for the last two years basically since this time two years ago um full time you know we've taken on some funding um and we are about to um to to start a um really big project out in in la actually so we'll be there uh, that pretty soon. So, why specifically the name Jack? And then, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So, people always say this. Um, the main answer is it came from the the word audio jack. So, um, <clears throat> we always gotta, thought got to jack in, got to listen. Yeah, got to go jack. jack in. Exactly, Jack. I mean, music. I, I just it's quite weird that I think as a just as a as a species we like to make things super complicated especially when it comes to technology. So if you think about how complicated it is to just like get some music to play on your phone today and all the different pieces that go on behind it and all the different people you have to pay, we just thought it should be as simple as it used to be. You just plug in, plug in your headphones and music starts playing. So yeah, that's kind of the idea. So Personally, what, I love it. what kind of like Ethereum tech are you using to make it that simple? You got to be leveraging some intense things to make it seem so simple. 
Yeah. So we're, um, <clears throat> we came up with this idea called smart content, which was um, if you had access to the information, so like the rights and all the metadata you need, um, to basically pay people and, and um, serve up the right content and all the other data that people are generating around music. So obviously, in, in, if you like think about Spotify and recommendation engines and things like that, there's all kinds of data points that they need to work. Then we take all that data on one side and then you take the actual files. So for a piece of music, it's relatively simple, right? If you've got the high quality file, like a WAV file, and then you've got the kind of standard compressed file, like an MP3. But then you also talk about film and you've got all kinds of different versions, different um, resolutions, uh, different dimensions, uh, different codecs, uh, and also things like, you know, if you're talking about a TV series, you might have subtitles and um, different tracks, so you can input adverts, all that kind of stuff. So if you can capture that information and serve it up um, to uh, basically like an API, the API itself, if it can also handle and route payments, which is, you can imagine where we're going with the, the idea of the smart contracts here, um, you actually get this really nice um, constructive of we call that smart content it basically means you have media on one side to so the file the metadata on the other side which includes the rights and who to pay and then you just have a smart contract that does all the handling in the middle um and that's yeah that's it so ethereum um is where we build our smart contracts and that handles our you know payments and things like that and then so uh, i have a question so so um are you guys are you guys handling the hosting too? So is that going to be done by the Ethereum network as well, or is that a centralized thing, or or is it just like media rights? Yeah, literally. So that's that's the last piece. So the 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 other part of Ethereum that we leverage quite heavily is Swarm. Swarm. Um, okay. Yeah, and Swarm is uh, um, obviously it's a big piece because that's basically doing all of the serving of content and actually handling of metadata, which is um, which is the the second kind of uh, product. So Jack, you can think of as the licensing product, and Meta is the is the kind of metadata product. That's uh, if you think about that as almost like a metadata peer to peer network for commercial companies. They just basically um, their their databases are networked into other databases, and um, smart contracts on Ethereum handle how um, they share resources and incentivize them for doing things like um, uh, mapping. Um, their data into the network or, um, you know, or selling in data that people need downstream. So you can imagine it being really useful for, say, a company who says, yes, I'll give you my um, my rights information and you can use my content. And off the back end, I want to know how my rights are doing. So I want like useful mm. reports back into the network. Um, that's a product that we've launched um, more recently. Mm. And um, obviously, when I mentioned Swarm, it's really know really really good that one of our founders is actually the the lead uh lead developer on the swarm project for um ethereum which is victor oh, i didn't even i didn't even realize that that's awesome yeah. oh, i didn't realize victor was on your team that's great yeah victor's are yeah he's at number three i love that so i guess so obviously you probably have already taken a look at like other like ethereum like competitors like in the space so you must have heard of like ujo music yeah. And, uh, you know, what consensus is working on? Like, can, can you talk about on like how you like differentiate from that at all? Are you familiar, you're familiar with that project? Yeah. Yeah. We're really familiar with you, Joe. I think, um, it's hard to say because everybody's projects have really changed over time. When we first met them, um, we were probably a lot more similar because, um, at the beginning, everybody was just thinking about doing the streaming stuff. They're like, yeah, we're going to do streaming. You're going to have smart contracts, going to manage your rights. You're going to get paid. And then, um, as everybody has kind of you know, delved a bit deeper into the industry, into the music industry, um, figured out that yeah, rights aren't actually that easy and um, you really need to, to understand that space um, and the data, the massive data 
problem you have there, right? There's just so much data that, I mean, it's like I could go into, a, into any label in the world and say to them, yeah, have you got some data? And I say, yeah, we've got great data on absolutely <laughs> We've got happened. great data. Yeah. Huge, huge data. On everything that happened <laughs> in the last five years, right? <laughs> but imagine you, them, you now ask them, right, I want a song from like, um, uh, I don't know, something pre-1972. Well, yeah, that's going to be almost impossible for you to get data on it. It's, it's probably not even going to be in a spreadsheet, right? But you need to license everything as if it was all held in the same way. So there's a, there's a huge data problem, um, and also, I mean, if if, if most people aren't familiar with um, with some of the music industry's um, previous projects, but they actually tried to do something similar where they got all the data in one database. They called that the Global Repertoire Database, um, and yeah, it just it just failed. Like they they tried to build it, they tried to put you know put loads of money into it and stuff like that. And turns out it's really, really difficult to do. Um, you know, you're talking about managing the the kind of um, you know the bottom line of loads of different companies who, and this data is kind of key to them doing their own business. So it's a pretty difficult project to pull off. Um, and yeah, and so now we have today. And I think that's kind of that means that in the Ethereum space, though people have you know it's, it's quite easy to build the technology, but it's really difficult to get the adoption in the industry and get people you know moving to. Um, to de decentralized technologies or even cryptocurrency, right? That's a huge thing. I mean, not only do you have to ask if that company can be can test cryptocurrency or use cryptocurrency or pay people in cryptocurrency, they as a business need to be able to account for payments in cryptocurrency, which is something most companies aren't even set up to do yet. So, yeah, it's a huge problem. Um, yeah, how far uh, we future now? I don't know. <laughs> that's an interesting, like, I guess, way to put it because the technology can be built really easily, but in order for anyone to use your platform, especially for something like music, you really have to have the content there. And so when you have multiple parties kind of trying to compete to be the infrastructural layer of where people put their music, uh, mm -hmm. it becomes really difficult. Like Spotify works because you can stream anything you want. They have all the songs. If they didn't have yep. all the songs, no one would ever use it. And you're going to end up, I feel like, that's that's the main difficulty that you're going to have with us with a product like this is getting people to put their music on it despite having really great tech. Yeah, is, I call it, it I call it the uh, what I call yeah I call it the SoundCloud problem, um, which is um, so even if say we invested a ton of money and time into um, trying to get absolutely everybody, so let's ignore the major 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 labels at the moment and just say right, let's get all the independent music that people want to listen to into a platform that kind of already exists across SoundCloud and YouTube, right? And even then, it's really difficult to build a business model off the back of that. And if if that is you know if that is the case and you get all of that done, then it's still really difficult. Then you know you're no better off than SoundCloud now. And we all know SoundCloud are currently looking for um, you know, I mean, who knows exactly what they're doing, but you know. The idea is that they're looking for um, a buyer, um, and so it just feels like a very—it's a difficult music is a difficult one, especially for startups where you have to aggregate all this content. But then on the other side, you have someone like Musically; um, those guys started out of uh, Shanghai, I think, and um, you know, worth like I think they raised like half a million. Yeah, they're worth like um, the multi-billion business in like a year. Um, and again, they've just done—they've just created a really good user experience around content and did third-party licensing. Now, if the, if licensing was a lot easier, I'm sure that could have been um, loads of companies that were doing similar uh, a similar kind of thing. But the licensing part is the part that holds most companies back. So um, yeah, we've tried not to not to play too much on having to have all of the content from all the labels in order for it to have a functional platform. In that sense, how do you can you can you walk us through kind of what the end user experience for a creator on your platform would be? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. So, 
a creator in the sense of I'm a musician. Um, I have made some content. I, the first thing, this is the first problem, right, that you run into. So say if you're uh, an artist and you've, um, say you're not signed, right, so you own all your rights and you go and work with a writer or a producer who is signed, um, the first problem you have is that you can't, technically you can't distribute your own music because you, you have to get sign off you have to clear the rights with the people who own rights to your song so even if i um came to the platform i upload the content um and you know some of that content is claimed by warner chapel or a big label or a big publisher or something like that then obviously I, i'm going to hit a, a roadblock there because i'm technically illegally um selling content or commercializing content i don't own but let's say for instance you get to a point where you have someone who is completely independent and this is why image and heap is a big name in this space because she does own um pretty much all of her rights now i think by now i think she owns absolutely everything um she could come to the platform uh, just like she did with the uj prototype uh, upload her music we'd be able to map that music back to the um unique identifiers that the industry hold on on her on her track so there's an isrc uh, code for the recording and an ISWC for the underlying works. So like the the song uh, lyrics and the um, and the actual melody or the instrumental. Um, and once those things are connected, it means that um, when her song is pushed onto the platform and somebody comes in uh, with some of our currency and presses play, uh, the payment will be routed directly back to her and anybody that she's chosen to, to split the proceeds with. Um, and uh, yeah, so it should be relatively simple. Um, and if someone then came to our platform and used it to uh, say embed her content into another app, be it a musically style app or um, or just another simple streaming app like a Spotify, then the same thing would happen. But for Spotify, they could you know they could basically hold some currency and pay pay us directly. And in their on their side, they would just bill users as they normally do in fiat or whatever currency they chose to do so. So it just basically becomes this kind of infrastructure component for um, for B two B licensing as well as kind of directly B two C. So if somebody's so then you what you say is you have like plans for somebody who's not as I guess savvy as Imogen Heap who has all of her rights and is ready to go, then I guess then. That then Spotify would serve as kind of like the middleman, or services like Spotify. Yeah, I suppose I suppose you'd say that we count as the as the middleman. So what? Okay. What we'd, yeah, what we'd have is, um, you know, if you if you think about, um, you know, Spotify don't don't own the rights. So what they would do is they license the content from the labels. What the labels would do is they would store the data uh, in our network, which would mean that should anybody come to our platform, they can very quickly tell. Okay, right. I'm Sony Music. I own the rights to this content that's being pushed up. As long as I'm happy for that to be uh, to be connected and then distributed via the Jack platform, that's fine. Should anybody want to embed that content on the other side, again, that's fine. So if Spotify wanted to use that content, I have I now have a direct link from my content through to Spotify. And also, when Spotify, someone presses play on that app, that also is linked back to my uh, you know to my dashboard of content. I think the best way of thinking about it would be like, imagine YouTube was kind of open source and you could use that to distribute content. Um, all that infrastructure that they have, including things like content IDs, you can map um, a song. When someone uploads it, you can actually just tell, okay, that's got a song in there that is actually um, copyrighted by someone. That person can then decide whether they want to approve the usage or you know, not improve usage and so on and so forth. So I think that's kind of that's kind of the idea we're going for in terms of where we sit. Um, and I think for some some people, you could say that, you know, YouTube is like the video protocol of the web. And uh, and that's the idea is that if we have this same protocol that allows people to uh, serve content, uh, do licensing, uh, attribute rights, do royalty flows uh, in a protocol with a cryptocurrency, um, 
you know that's that that does just become like the the kind of media component for or media um, protocol for for the web and that's really where we're angling so would you say that you guys platform um could greatly benefit things or excuse me uh shows like block channel uh where if we you know we wanted to like host like all of our content or individual episodes up on there um you know do you guys have plans for like uh like you know analytics and things like that um that are nice and visual that goes along like with your like overall like user experience like you know how similar to like soundcloud you can go in there and you have like a stats page like is, yeah. is the plan to sort of have like a whole like full fleshed out platform with all these features yeah that's that is definitely the plan um that's definitely the plan and also i mean podcasts are definitely um if, if anything podcasts are one of the easier um media types to do because um they don't actually come with inherent inherent rights um, so they'd be very easy to put up, but you could also start to bring um, or to introduce loads of different business models off the top of podcasts. Um, whereas at the moment, they seem to be relatively limited to, um, well, first of all, you, you kind of get shoehorned into the, the Apple ecosystem or you're, mm. um, you can kind of do something, do something outside of that. Um, mm. But I think that's why, uh, why you need things like this, because I think we do need to have some more interesting business models around content rather than just ad supported or free. Um, which mm -hmm. seem to be the only options available to most people at the moment. So, so, um, so as far as your like, um, <laughs> so as far as your overall like UI UX like right now, um, <laughs> would you would you say you guys are like kind of akin to like SoundCloud? Like, what sort of vibe are you guys going for? Like, is it, is it going to feel like a familiar experience? Yeah, I think that there should be, um, you know, if you think about the applications you use today to do things we're not really going to step much outside that user experience there should be a place you can upload stuff a place you can view stuff um, and if you're sharing the content this should be some sort of dashboard for you to understand what's going on now i don't by any stretch believe that by the time we're we're kind of um ready to do our kind of alpha and, and, and beta that we're going mm -hmm. to have a um um we're actually going to have you know a ui that is completely the same um mm -hmm. But that's the idea. I think we we are kind of starting off with something that at least feels familiar for people, um, and then we can start to build on that. So yourself, um, particularly, like, were you ever a, uh, a content creator yourself? Like, were you ever involved in any music? Yeah, actually, I um I started my uh, I started in the music industry. Actually, my uh, my uncle worked for um, Sony BMG. Um, I did, actually did my work experience at Sony BMG, and mm -hmm. um, my cousin and I, uh, uh, we started a group called the Arcade Production Group, and um, well, when I was about what, 17, um, so I used to write and sing, um, and he used to he used to produce. We did that for a number of years. Um, I eventually just decided there was no way I was doing any more music. Um, I got, we actually got a song through to Chris Brown once, and... Um, it, <laughs> It, yeah, it was. We had a lot of really cool stuff that happened like that, but I think I don't know. The nature of music is just really difficult, and we got. It just became ridiculous. Like the, I think the reason why we didn't actually get that song through is because we weren't like weren't in LA. We were in London, um, so yeah. I just said I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to just focus on software. But he kept going, and he's. I mean, he's doing incredibly well. He he, he actually produced um, Fancy for Iggy Azalea, and we went to the Grammys um, like a year and a year and a half ago. Like, yeah, this time two years look at, ago. Look at you, Vaughn. Look yeah. at you. <laughs> Oh, famous, famous, famous and stuff. Famous yeah. and stuff. Well, we actually well, we, we got to, we got there, got out of the limo, and started walking down this uh, this kind of side red carpet, thinking, oh, okay, that must be where all the celebrities are. And then they stopped us and said, no, 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 you're supposed to be over there. I was like, okay, really? <laughs> Stepped onto like the actual red carpet. Huh. There's, there was Diplo, Madonna, Sam Smith. <laughs> it was like the weirdest, <laughs> most surreal experience ever. 
Oh, man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the music industry, yeah, industry sounds like a great way to have a good time. Um, so, so, so obviously, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of um, people in the music industry are uh, like excited about like you know blockchain technologies and stuff like that. Like, it's like, it's, is that true? Do you feel like the the industry itself is sort of like itching, like waiting for like the next like big thing to like help them like push forward? You know, what would Spotify and uh, you know Apple Music and all these things sort of um, uh, consolidating? You know, into like you know bigger and bigger like groups. Kind of like monopolizing an oligopoly, you could say. Um, yeah. do, do, do you think that they're? Do you think that they're ready for this? Because I, I think it's going to be a really big shakeup. Yeah, so I think in me say music industry, I think that the industry itself feels like they need some sort of solution, even if it's um, even if it's not a blockchain solution. There needs to be some sort of solution, sort of solution for the data problem, right? They just have this big data problem of knowing what's going on at any one time, right? No one knows what rights they owe, no one knows where they are, no one knows who to pay. And so that's kind of, there's, that's one problem. Um, I think from the, from the artist side, um, there are some artists who, um, you know, have always had a problem with rights, have always had a problem with, um, with kind of digital services and streaming and so on and so forth. Um, but I think those, those, those people are kind of in smaller numbers, but they do tend to have big voices. Um, I think the main, the majority of artists they get paid well enough. I think obviously the bigger artists and the major artists, they, that's not really what they're worried about. Um, but I also believe we kind of have this uh, joke that the you know like the rap industry or the rap um, the rap scene should really get behind blockchain um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. purely because it has has the word block and chain in it. Right, <laughs> yeah, right, right there. Yeah, come through the block. You're wearing. You're, come through the block. You're wearing your chain. You're already there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just you can imagine, right? And I feel like that's 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 the next wave. So that's why we're going to target the uh, the rap scene. No, just just in general, though, I think that I think that um, musicians will will see. I think when there becomes this kind of new way of them earning money and participating in this kind of new crypto economy, I guarantee you there'll be some them some really interesting stories emerging. I mean, you just look at Chance and um, his kind of you know decision to boycott major labels and just kind of do it for himself means that there are lots of opportunities for, for for artists to do that now and it's going to give people a kind of a different way of looking at how they how they kind of progress their career um you know rather than just kind of going for the standard copyright um the kind of uh, copyright model which is you know or just handing over your rights or giving up your rights um there's loads of different ways to do things now so i think it's going to it's going to fuel that that conversation over the next couple of years speaking of the future like and i guess celebrities if you will how do you feel about the Ethereum space or blockchain space in general? Do you have any projects that you feel are shining and you're interested in to see where they go or feel they're the, the, the next big thing? Like what, what do you, what do you feel about the future of this whole space? Yeah. So we're obviously, um, we've, we, we doubled down on Ethereum as you could probably tell. Uh -huh. Um, we, uh, yeah, really love those guys. And, um, Obviously, Swarm. Swarm's one of the maybe one of the projects that we we, we rely on them technically the most. But they are, I think that's you know you can see why um, kind of decentralized storage and decentralized incentivized storage uh, really does have a future. Um, and you can only look at Snapchat's S1 to see like how much money they spend on Google Cloud to to see why there is definitely a future for projects like Golem and um, you know and, and Swarm and any of those other decentralized you know computer processing or storage. Um, storage startups i mean that, that definitely is the future um the uh, these other guys are status guys um love what they're doing um and then uh, ownage colony uh, again two great projects and also those, those guys are based um over here as well so we're, we're relatively close to them we're literally like a five minute walk from where they are so it's well, pretty we're cool. talking to the colony guys i think next week 
Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we know those guys relatively well. Um, what about Uport? Have you have you have you looked into Uport? Yeah, we've seen Uport. We've seen it. It's really cool tech. Um, haven't used it yet. I think the um, the identity problem is a problem that every single startup is going to face in this space. Um, and I think uh, most people feel like it's a it's kind of a, a last mile thing to to, to solve because they'll they, there's you know there's loads of people racing down uh, down that path. So yeah, we're just kind of we're just waiting to see. And I think there's also projects that are specific to when we talk about identity in the music space. There's loads of identity. Um, uh concepts within the space so every musician's technically every single musician technically has an identifying number um mm -hmm. but but there's a problem around that being genuinely unique and actually being used um everywhere so yeah i think identity is, is an interesting one for us but you can imagine a service that kind of comes out and is completely catch-all so if you're gonna um if you're gonna go ahead and just like push out all these uh, ethereum projects and like you know put them put them in the spotlight uh which which is great and like and i really do appreciate uh, how much love we give to other projects in the space because i, I it's, it's a collaborative effort uh, in the ethereum ecosystem and i think that's really great um because all the different developers are sort of like working together cohesively to piece together all their varying technologies to build um these new tools for the future so so with that being said um, like, do, do you have any like advice personally for like developers, entrepreneurs? Like you said, you've been an entrepreneur since you were like 15 years old. You know, you've been, you've done you've done so many different things. So, so what is something that like resonates with you internally um, that has like helped you and has motivated you like thus far, um, like to continue to be successful and to continue to try new things? Uh, um, yes, I think the thing that I've um, I've really realized and has become more and more pertinent over time is that really cheesy phrase. Uh, to stand on the shoulders of shoulders of giants, um, mm -hmm. and I think lots of people, when they kind of stole, what, I, what I've, in my experience is, you kind of get set your eyes on some target in the future, and you put your head down and you just start working on that, um, without realizing that actually lots of that hard work has already been done for you, and and that really you know study the greats, really understand people who've been there before, and they've probably been there before, you know hundreds of years before you were you know you even existed. Um, and don't just feel like you've got to just start um, start from the beginning. There's always people out there who are willing to lend a helping hand. Um, and, you know, genuinely, it's always been people that have helped me to achieve things. Um, you know, it's a, it's a connection, it's a conversation that have helped me to achieve those things that uh, seemed almost impossible um, in, in previous ventures or previous startups. So, yeah, just, you know, just make sure you connect with people and you and you do as much learning as you can. That, that's, that's literally it. Just learn, learn, learn. Excellent. So, so if if the listeners who are uh, joining us today, if they want to learn um, more information about Jack.io, how would you um, how would you tell them to go about doing that? Yeah, cool. So we have a um, a newsletter um, which you can sign up for on our website, and um, obviously you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Though um, I think we we do the most on on Twitter. So, so, uh, and as far as like uh, launch details and things of that nature, like when do you guys plan on um, formally doing that? Is there is there any uh, information or dates that you can provide the audience at all? Yeah, well, um, I think the best thing to do would just be to to follow along for now. We'll be publishing some dates soon. The uh, the the bad thing to do would be to commit to any dates right now. But yeah, we, we should have something um, something launching um, launching pretty soon that people can get their hands on um, and. Um, if everything goes goes to plan, we'll have a very public initiative going uh, going live um, in the next couple of months. Excellent.
Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for joining us today, Vaughn. And thanks for filling our heads with uh, all this knowledge about the music industry, the media industry as a whole, um, and how you plan on using uh, Ethereum and leveraging those technologies uh, to make make it more seamless for the industry. So so really do think, thank you for all your hard work and what you're working on. And thanks for taking the time to uh, come on and educate us on what you're working on. Anytime, Stephen. Thanks very much, right. guys. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, man. Thank you. And, yeah, and in a couple in, in a couple of months, once you guys have launched and we put our we put a few of our episodes out there, uh, block channel, and uh, we'll we'll help you guys out accordingly. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, we wait, have guys. a great you have a great day, and thanks for coming on. You too, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. This episode of Block Channel was brought to you by CryptoDex. CryptoDex specializes in marketing and consulting for individuals who are seeking to raise funds in the crypto space via token launch. Their service can assist with tokenization structures, marketing, and building long-term sustainable communities for your individual token. If you're interested in learning more, check out the links to their service in the show notes below.